0: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile,
1: the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never
2: been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. They're back tonight.
3: Those NBA All-Stars back with their regular teams as the season resumes all across the United States of America. And perhaps in Canada. I don't know if the Raptors are home or not. Welcome back to Baskin and Phelps. I'm Jeff Phelps, my partner today, Dan Menigan, in for Andy. All-Star break. We decided it's the perfect opportunity to give out awards. A, a correction. Mark sends me an email and he said, Hey, dork, the D3 football team. Playoffs are a 32-team playoff. Okay. Sorry okay. about that, Mark. Sorry. Dan, that's more of your randomness right there. So that's that's the way that one goes. Thanks for the correction, Mark. We appreciate it. I, as I said, I... All I know is it's worked beautifully at the lower levels when they had a bigger playoff. So there you go. Mark, thank you very much.
1: Yeah, I only started really paying attention to college athletics probably about three years appreciate ago. That. Thanks to a very good friend of mine who you was s- like, you, you got to watch
3: certainly this. didn't when you were in college. No, not at all. So we decided that this was the perfect time to hand out some awards to the Cavaliers. And we're not trying to be funny guys on this because that doesn't work very well anyway. But they are some awards with a little bit of little bit of uh Oh we're 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 pushing the envelope just a little bit, maybe. How's that? So let's let's get this started, Dan. It's the All-Star Break, Cleveland Cavalier Awards. The most improved Player award, most improved player because he better be the most improved player because he could be the key to something more than just a first-round playoff exit. The award goes to Evan Mobley. Oh, I like that. Stick with me on this. He's played in only 30 games because of his knee injury. And overall, he's actually down a few minutes per game than what he was last year. His scoring, basically where it was last year, he's at 15.8 points per game. last year, so down about a half point a game. But Evan Mobley's rebounding, 10.2 rebounds a game, up from nine. Shooting, 59%, up from 55 last year. And three-point shooting, which I don't really care about that much, but the Cavaliers seem to, up because he's been hot since he came back, 42% on threes compared to 22% last year. And all of this is while his field goal attempts are down a little bit from last year. So I think Evan has improved his game. And keep in mind, you can only do what you're asked to do. And as long as he's playing with two high-scoring guards, he's not going to score 20 points a game. I think that's so unlikely to happen. It could happen later in his career if he's in a different situation. I don't think you're going to see a huge jump in the scoring average, but I do think he has picked up his game in real critical areas. I think he's a better all-around player, and he's still only 22 years old. I agree with everything you're saying, but the biggest thing that's improved to me
1: when it's come to Evan Mobley is it, and this sounds so youth coachy, and I apologize. It seems like he has a plan every time he gets the ball. Like, it seems like when he's getting the ball swung to him, he knows, okay, I can either go here, I can either kick it out to Donovan Mitchell over here, I can get Darius Garland on a cut, or I can try to hit Jared Allen as well, or get my own shot up. Like, it seems like he has regulated a plan with the ball.
3: So our most improved player award, because he better be, because he could be the key to something more than a first-round playoff exit, it's Evan Mobley.
1: All right, so I will, I will bank off of what you are saying when it comes to most improved player, and I will go with, with the award that I'm calling the thank goodness you've improved at this award. The thank goodness you've improved on this award goes to Isaac Okoro and his three-point shooting. Because it had gotten really bad, and it was one of those things that really stood out, especially during the Knicks series, where they didn't even have anybody cover him. Like They they basically decided that six-foot social distancing was the best defense we could play on Isaac Okoro at the three-point line.
3: So they were playing a box and none on yeah. Isaac Okoro.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> and so this season, he's at least made it that they have to pay attention to him. On catch-and-shoot three-pointers, which are the majority of the ones that he's getting, he gets a catch-and-shoot three-pointers 37% of the time. He's 40% on those, meaning that every time he's getting it, he's making four out of out of ten, which is everything you can ask for, uh, probably a little bit above league average. And more than anything, he's open when he's getting them, which means that in a playoff series, if he hits 40% of threes, got to cover him. You've got to keep somebody relatively near him. And that's all you can ask for from that guy on the offensive end of the ball. And I feel like his dribble drives are actually starting to go somewhere a little bit, too. It's not just straightforward downhill. I'm going to bowl into somebody and whip this up at the rim and hope that it bounces the right way. It's starting to seem like he's figuring out the offensive end of the ball to go with the defensive end of the ball. And so that's why I hand him the award that basically says, thank goodness you finally improved on this.
3: (laughs) Can I follow that up? Most Steph. The Good Timing Award goes to Isaac Okoro. Okay. Why? Because he and the Cavaliers didn't agree to a contract extension before the season started. That means he'll be a restricted free agent at the end of this season, and he's going to get a contract from somebody for some amount of money. Well, he's averaging nine points a game. That's the most since his rookie year. His shooting percentage is over 49%, the same as last year's career high. And he's hitting a career high 39% on the threes, Dan. As you mentioned, the, the threes have improved mm-hmm. in 26 minutes per game. He has settled in very nicely coming off the bench. I, I don't know if he had done that in the past. I, it just seemed kind of clunky. He seems to really have embraced that role. And I, I think he needed to not drop off and hope, hopefully elevate his game. Not drop off. He hasn't dropped off. He's elevated some parts of his game. And I think he has set himself up for a pretty nice contract from some team. Might be the Cavs. Next offseason. So, congratulations to Isaac. The good timing award. Right. You're the recipient.
1: And he's going to... He'll probably proudly go home with that one. A, because it's going to end in a contract for him, whether it's here or somebody else. But B... He's making this team better on both ends of the floor, which is what everybody was crying for. We
3: He's become a key rotation
1: piece. Exactly. Yeah. And, we know and, the defense has been above average. I know sometimes he gets burnt more than others.
3: Some he, people think he's a lockdown defender. I don't think he is, but I think he's a an above average NBA defender.
1: Right. And somebody that I mean, he messes with Trey Young every time you put him on there. So if you got a scoring point guard, he does make life a little difficult on those guys.
3: He makes Life difficult on the smaller guys. I don't know that he's phenomenal against guys his size.
1: The, the Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum conundrum still remains, Yeah, you know, of what that's going to look like, but the kid's gotten better, and so that's all I can ask for. All right, so my next award is the can we get more of this award? <laughs> and so the can we get more of this award goes to Jared Allen and Jared Allen's offensive game. It has been so impressive when Mobley was out and Garland was out to watch Jared Allen become more of an offensive focal point. He's always had a pretty good offensive game, but it rarely was on display. It always seemed like he fell into the mold. of Okay, just be the hustle guy. Get your putbacks. You'll get your 10 and 10s through your rebounds and your putbacks, and you'll play good defense, and we're thrilled with you. You've started to see that offensive game begin to improve. The passing side of it really improved. He's made some really nice pocket passes this year in the key that have looked really nice and set some stuff up that, again, makes the defense pay attention to guys that it typically didn't pay attention to in in the year ago. And also finishing over both shoulders, being able to find his own shot inside of the key, whether it's that push shot, whether it's actually a, a jumper that comes from the elbow or from the nail or something like that. It's really nice to see that game evolve. And so the, can we get more of this, please? Jared Allen.
3: I, I would, uh, I would concur with some of the things so much. So that my award for the thanks for reminding everyone that you can do more than play defense and grab a few rebounds goes to. <laughs> yeah. Jared Allen. The reason why here, Evan Mobley missed most of December and most of January. He played in our, he missed all but two games in both of those months. So he's out basically the entire month. Two games he played in December, two in January. That means Jared Allen was the lone big guy and was asked, keep, keep in mind with a lot of these, this is what these guys are being asked to do. Okay, So in the past, when Evan's out there with Jared, he's not being asked to be a huge offensive threat as a big man because you have another one. He's not being asked to grab all the rebounds because you have another guy. Who grabs rebounds, I've been averaging over 10 rebounds a game. But in December and January, when Jarrett was basically the only big guy that you would think, okay, that's your big guy, you know, and no disrespect to Dean Wade. In those months, Jarrett Allen averaged December 15.2 points and 10.8 points per game. So he averaged a double-double. And then in January, he averaged over 17 points and over 13 rebounds per game. That's outstanding. Mm-hmm. He's he's had those abilities. He's not asked to do that. Because in the team flow, you've got other guys who can help you. And remember, this is I I think it's it's one of the ultimate team games on the planet. If you have five guys working together, it's better than one guy working hard and another guy helping him out, three guys standing out there. So these guys are doing it's it's not like they suddenly got better they suddenly had different roles that they were being asked to play. And Jared Allen certainly responded.
1: And more than anything, turned and succeeded in those roles that were different than what they were asked to play. It wasn't like they were throwing people out there, yeah. and it just was flopping, and it was flailing, and it was hoping, and it was all of that kind of stuff. It was instead... These guys got put in these roles and they succeeded and they found ways to succeed and they evolved and other guys were asked to step up along the way. And there wasn't many hiccups that were there. It seemed this season with the way it went that J.B. Becker looked down that bench and went, I have answers and I'm actually going to use these answers. Unlike last season where I didn't.
3: And then in that situation though, Dan, Okay, he he used the answers, and it's some of the guys who came off the bench and the role players who stepped up and did a nice job. Did he need to use those guys in the past? Maybe not, because the other guys were healthy, which leaves this team, as Mike Ganzi said, the general manager of the Cavs, you know, we're probably deeper than we thought we were. Well, that's because guys were asked to do some things and they stepped up. The awards continue. Coming up on Baskin and Phelps, a few more Cavalier All-Star Break awards. Is the Cavs getting ready to take on the Orlando Magic tonight at the Fieldhouse, Jake Chapman, the voice of the Magic, former producer of this show. He worked with us, Dan. Jake's coming up next, uh, well, at 11 o'clock. More awards next on Baskin and Phelps. Baskin of Phelps right here on the fan. Menigan in for Baskin today. Cavs Magic tonight at the Fieldhouse. Jake Chapman, the voice of the Orlando Magic. Chardon native. Alum of this show.
2: Get a He's cup our of coffee
3: here. uh Jake, the voice of the Magic going to join us coming up at 11 o'clock. So momentarily. But we get back to it. Our All-Star Break Cavalier Awards. And we've given out some some good ones so far. Uh, We gave out the most improved player because he better be because he could be the key to something more than a first-round exit in the playoffs. Went to Evan Mobley, was my award. Uh, The good timing award, Isaac Okoro. Dan gave Isaac the glad you improved at this because it was essential, basically. Uh, Isaac for Mm -hmm. three-pointers. We continue. My next award. The, hey, nice job. You're better than folks thought you were award. Goes to Sam Merrill. Boy, is that the truth. Sam is a guy who kicked around a little bit. He's 27 years old, and he's in his fourth NBA season, kind of. In his first year, he played only 30 games for Milwaukee. Second year, six games for Memphis. Only five games for the Cavs last season. So in his first three seasons, he played in a combined 41 NBA games, G League, trying to find his way. He's played in 37 games this season. He's 10th in the NBA, making 44% of his three-pointers. The percentage is nice. The shot's even nicer. The guy has a great release. It's quick. His form is perfect, and he's not shy, and I love the combination. I'm not going to go Kyle Korver. He's not there yet. He could become Kyle Korver if he ends up getting 25 minutes a game on a regular basis, I don't know if that's likely. But, Dan, Sam Merrill is one of those guys who you talked about, who when the other guys were out and J.B. Bickerstaff had to go to his bench and needed some guys to step up and produce. And Sam had had a couple of games earlier, but he did it over a very consistent stretch when uh, when Garland and Mobley were out and the Cavs needed guys. Congratulations, Sam. You've been fun to watch. The difference between him and Kyle Corver is, well, A, the track record. And and three inches. Kyle's like 6'7", and Sam's 6'4". B? But still, he can shoot.
1: When Sam Merrill puts the ball on the deck, I'm not worried. When Kyle Corver would dribble, you you worried a little. Yeah, well, it actually, was a bit of an adventure. It's actually true. And when Sam Merrill would put the ball on the, gr- uh, on the floor and actually dribble a little bit and try to find his own shot that wasn't just a catch-and-shoot three-pointer... He can do it. He can find his own shot. He can get other guys involved. He can make the passes when necessary, where Kyle Korver was like, "Uh, you should shoot that, or you probably need to swing it to somebody else before something bad happens. (laughs) Like, I like that about Sam. I think Sam Merrill is a really good piece for this team and probably somebody that they may need to look at. And who knows, you know.
3: come playoff time, he could play a bigger role than you think he might.
1: Or look at him and go, hey, here's the Craig Porter Jr. contract. Like, we would like you to be around here for a good period of time because you have a skill set that fits what we want oh, to do. He has, a, he
3: has a contract. It's not huge, but he's he's here for a little while. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I, I just, I like guys who can shoot. And, and that's different from guys who can score. And Sam Merrill can shoot. So, Sam, nice job. You've had a chance to show what you can do this year, and you've taken advantage of it. You get the, you're better than folks thought you were award. Well, I'll piggyback off of that. Into my section of awards that I
1: call the sarcastic, mildly grumpy awards. Oh, good. Including the first one, which is the, folks, let's cross that bridge when we get their award. Which goes to, can we stop losing it on J.B. Bickerstaff playing 10 guys in games? That's, That's the award. I want him to play 10 guys in games during this time of the year. Because I don't want heavy minutes loads on all the starters. I don't want the injury risk. I don't want any of those things. And not to mention, I want to know that he can mix and match and mold this team into what it needs to be when it gets into a playoff series. And more than anything, and I'll go baseball on you and, and cross sports, have a change-up off the fastball. Have a curveball off the fastball. Find different ways to win. Because as much as everybody loves Mariano Rivera, there's one of those. There's only one guy who's going to come out and go, all right, here comes the cutter. You're going to get it over and over again. And the Cavs did that coming off of last season in the playoff series where they went, okay, here comes the high screen and roll. And we're going to do this like Mariano Rivera's cutter. And the problem is it's not Mariano Rivera's cutter. And that high screen and roll isn't the same. So play 10 guys right now, mix and match, figure out lineups that work. And then that way you have different counters to anything that a defense can throw at you. So if you see Tom Thibodeau again, you're not doing the same thing over and over again and having and expecting a different result because you don't have anything else in your back pocket.
3: I think that's interesting. You're playing 10 guys now, and, and I almost think JB is doing it because the thought process is, okay, you guys played so well when Darius and Evan were out, it would be a shame not to – keep giving Sam Merrill some minutes and George Mm -hmm. Niang some minutes and, you know, thank you. We appreciate that. And it almost seems like, you know, grudgingly you're playing 10 guys. Play 10 guys. I I agree with you. Spread out the minutes a little bit. You're, I I wouldn't say you're locked in at two because you're not, but I would say you're locked in, in home court in the first round. I don't see the calves dropping to five. And I think they can continue to win this way. Plus, Keep these guys fresh. Keep them active. And and not just keep the starters fresh by cutting their minutes a little bit. Keep the other guys fresh in case you need them. Exactly. And you can play 10 guys. It's just a little more difficult and a little more challenging. And if you're getting contributions that allow you to win basketball games from 10 guys, then why not play 10 guys? If you're playing 10 and and 9 and 10 are killing you, well, then you don't play 9 and 10. You play 8. But that's not the case here. So I'm all for it. And teams that can go deep can stay fresh. You keep bringing in waves of guys, little different look. And with a guy like Niang, little guy with a guy like Sam Merrill, terrific. I, I think it's a, a great way to go. Next. My, you sure can't pass when you're asked to be the lead guard award goes to <laughs> Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Darius missed 19 games with the jaw from December 16th to January 29th. Mitchell played in 15 of those 19 games. In those 15 games, hey, where Donovan was asked, hey, we're going to need you to handle the ball and be the lead guard. You're going to have to facilitate more than you do on it anyway, because he, overall he's you know pretty good uh, at passing the ball. But in those games, hey, you're you're the guy handling the ball here he averaged 28 points and 7.9 assists per game. He had 12 assists in one game in that 15-game stretch. He had two 13-assist games in that stretch. So in those 15 games that he played while Darius was out, the 7.9 assists that he averaged would be the eighth-best assist average in the NBA if it it were prorated over a whole season. In other words he can flat-out pass the ball. And games outside of this 15-game stretch this season when Darius has been there, for the most part, Darius missed a couple. But he was averaging, Donovan was averaging 28.6 points and 5.4 assists. So what does that tell you? He was handling the ball more. He averaged 28 points, so he's still scoring at the same rate. And yet his assists were up 2.5 per game. That was really nice to see, and I said this yesterday. I've said it two or three times. It made me think, man, why why would you ever take the ball out of his hands? He's so good at it. I know Darius is good at passing the ball too. I just thought it was such a great dynamic with Donovan orchestrating for other guys while still getting his 28 per game. Really, really well done. The you can sure pass when you're asked to be the lead guard award to Donovan Mitchell.
1: The two-man game between he and Jared Allen
3: was Phenomenal. something yeah, to behold. it was old. great. It, was really,
1: it good. was really good to see. And, again, it's another tool in the toolbox. It's another thing you can turn to when something else gets shut down. And you're right. He he looked great past it. And I'll bring up another part of this, and I probably should have came up with an award for it, but eh, hindsight's always twenty twenty. His defense has been pretty good this year. And I don't want to say it too loudly, but like cuz you don't want to cuz i don't want to jinx it
3: but like it's
1: been better
3: you know i have always thought this correct me if you disagree most nba nba guys can play defense decently if they really want to mhm most not all you know some guys might not have the lateral quickness or the size or the strength to play the kind of defense that you really need to succeed but I think most, if they really put their minds to it and really care to do it, can play defense. And he has looked like he really wants to play defense this year. And that's not a knock on anything in the past. It looks like he wants to play defense, and he's done a nice job, I agree.
2: Oh, I'll
1: knock it in the past. You, I. These are not the words of Jeff Phelps. These are the words of Dan Manigan. He didn't want to play defense in the past. He definitely was a guy who would look back and go, eh, I got Rudy Gobert back
3: there. I'm good. <laughs> He, he well, had which, some, which you can kind of do now while I have Evan Mobley and Jared Allen back he here.
1: had some Dame Lillard in him he had a little James Harden before the internet got a hold of James Harden being horrible in him like it, it, it was pretty ugly for a little bit and this year he has really stepped it up and you're right he cared he, he wants the effort and so with Donovan Mitchell in the mind I will now also hand out the I'm going to care about this on July 1st until then leave me alone Donovan Mitchell leaving the first chance he gets. I don't want to hear it. I don't care. I don't want to listen to it. Is that an award?
3: Oh, yeah. We're handing that out. The title is the what award? The I worry about this on July 1st award. I don't care until
1: July 1st award. That's what it's called. It's the I don't care until July 1st. Oh, good. Is there a statue for that one? It is. It actually goes right next to the free stamp. So I don't care. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear the whining. I don't want to read it. I don't want any of it because he's here through the playoff run and he's played really well for this team. He has done everything that they can ask him to do. He has been better this year than he was last year. So I don't want to hear it until July 1st. Then I'll worry about it then, but give me a three month grace period where I could just sit back and watch this guy hoop for in a Cleveland Cavalier uniform. Cause it's, gotten ridiculous, including over the all-star break where everybody was looking at each other going, Well, he said to Chris Fedor that he's really happy and he wants to stay here. And he did the three-point contest in a Money Merrill jersey. like
3: And all of us trying to read these tea leaves. You can't read tea leaves. I don't care. I, I said this before. Anybody who had to, uh, who, who had to work somewhere else. You know, I, I started my career working uh, in Texas, my first full-time job. I loved it. And I couldn't wait to get the you-know-what out. I loved it. And I can understand a guy who might love where he is and then move along. Can, before, can I ask one thing before July 1st? Can I get your thought on one thing before July 1st before you hand out that award officially? What is I mean, it? it hasn't been given to Donovan yet. It's still sitting in the box. I
1: may just grunt at you.
3: I'm going to go Shane Bieber on you. If you get in the next season and he hasn't signed an extension, do you have to trade Donovan Mitchell at the trade deadline or before?
1: Didn't that just ask for a three month grace? Period? No, you
3: haven't given him the award yet. It's still he's just he's, asked. He's in the bathroom. Kramer is sitting in his seat as a seat filler, and he hasn't he hasn't accepted the award yet. Is Tony taking him out to dinner tonight If if you have to go into the next season and he hasn't signed an extension, what do you do? <laughs>
2: You did just grunt.
3: All right, Jake Chapman, the voice of the Orlando Magic, Baskin and Phelps alum. He ran this sorry ship. He's
2: next. Coming up on Baskin and Phelps.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what? In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
3: Coming up at 1 o'clock, Mandy Bell from the MLB.com folks. She's going to talk Guardians as she covers the Guardians in Goodyear, Arizona. Daryl Ryder, our Browns and Cleveland sports reporter, coming up at noon. I'm Jeff Phelps. Baskin's not here today. Menigan in for Baskin, also doing his own role. You know, here at ninety two three The Fan, we get a lot of, of folks who come in and, and work for us for a while, and then they move on and maybe get a paper route. They decide this radio biz, that's not for us. And sometimes it's really, you know, young kids out of school and they're not sure where they want to go. Every once in a while we get lucky and we get a guy who's had some experience. And he comes in, he does the job here, and then goes on and just continues to have a flourishing career. The only example I can think of of that joins us right now on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline, former producer of Baskin and Phelps, now the radio voice of the Orlando Magic, the pride of the Chardon Hilltoppers, Mr. Jake Chapman. Hello, Jake. What's up, buddy? Did you say paper route? What is that? Uh, you remember papers? So, uh, you,
1: yes. You remember it's we vaguely. used to
3: we used to play? It was an
1: NES game that you had, and and you would the, the little guy <laughs> would go, and you'd hit the button, and he would whip the paper, and you hope with everything in you, you wouldn't run over the puppy.
3: There's still that's paper what, that's routes. What I remember Dan for, for those little <laughs> local papers, you know that, that we all enjoy reading. <laughs>
4: ah the yes the uh the chardon maple leaf yes, exactly
3: beautiful hey uh council has <laughs> approved putting up a stop sign at this intersection hey who knew <laughs> check the police
4: water that's always there the best you one.
3: go hey uh, all-star break and you come out of it and you're home D- have you been in town for a while or did you just come up from orlando with the team
4: no, I am in Orlando still. Um unfortunately, uh for the remainder of the season I'll be calling games off a monitor. We'll see if that'll get rectified at some point soon. Um but no, I so I made a quick trip to Philadelphia. So I got ah. a little I got a little winter in my life. It was fantastic. I saw my family uh Friday to Monday and then I had a nice two days back here in Orlando um to recover from that trip because I caught a little bit of a bug as it seems like some of the Principles in the basketball game tonight may have. It's that time of year, I suppose. Um, but so, no, I am, I am ready to go. 27 games out of, the, uh, out of the all-star break here. The unofficial second half, I guess, is what we call it. My boss and I have a joke about that. I'm not sure why we have to call it the unofficial second half of the season. Um, but I'm all set to go. How we, are you guys?
3: We, we call it the final third.
4: There you go. The final third. I, I think I prefer that, Jeff. I might right. steal
3: it. Yeah, go with that one. Go
1: with that. All right, buddy. Paulo Bencaro has been unbelievable for the Magic all season long, ever since they drafted him. What's been the most impressive thing about watching him night after night?
4: Um, Night after night is the first thing, Dan. He's played every game so far this year, and he is listed. He just showed up on the injury report for tonight with an illness that I'm assuming he caught from Donovan Mitchell. Uh, So We'll see if either of those guys play it seems like it was going around there in indianapolis um so the consistency is one thing he's been awesome he plays every night last year he missed eight games at the beginning of the year um with an ankle but that was it and so just in this day and age it's kind of nice to have your best player show up night in night out and play um his assists have been way up there was eight games in january that franz wagner missed with an ankle injury and paulo's assists went up and up and up during those games. He's getting his teammates involved more. Um his efficiency is up. He's just he's just a dog. He's 21 years old and he's averaging 23, 7 and 5 and there's only a handful of guys who have done that. And so the accolades keep on piling up, but um he said very sort of point blank during the summer that right around this time or you know mid January last year was when he hit the wall and that he put in a whole bunch of work to make sure that that didn't happen in year 2 and so far it hasn't. So um, I think just kind of understanding what it takes to play 82 games at the level that he wants to play is probably the most impressive part because there's not a lot of
3: 21-year-olds who get that. Jake Chapman joining us, voice of the Orlando Magic. You can hear him on the radio if you want to listen to the Orlando Magic games on the radio. Right now, Orlando at 30-25, and 25, uh, sitting eighth, tied record-wise with Miami, uh, but Miami ahead in tiebreaker right now at 30-25 to 25, uh, record-wise. Orlando had a great start, Jake. Have the Magic fallen off or a little bit of a lull? They've been dealing with some things, or do you think the, the Magic are a team that might be able to make a push in the second half or final third?
4: <laughs> the Final third. Um, they started 16-7, and seven, Jeff, and they came dangerously close to hitting the 500 mark again in January when a lot of those injuries hit. Uh, missing Franz Wagner for eight games, like I mentioned, was a big loss. Gary Harris been in and out of the lineup um jonathan isaac has had to kind of ease into um being able to play 20-25 minutes a night which is where he's at right now and coach mosley's been using him as his like defensive secret weapon throwing him out there for entire fourth quarters and he's showing that if he were able to play 30 minutes a night we're talking defensive player of the year like he is that good on that end of the floor and really since christmas kind of upping his minutes getting markel back in there he won't play tonight his knees still bugging him Getting Gary Harris back in, they're just kind of getting whole. Has been what's kind of brought us back to five, six games clear of 500. Um, we've played a lot, a much better team at home as often young teams are. Um, we have the easiest remaining strength of schedule, just as far as combined opponent win percentage goes. Um, and we have an eight-game homestand in the back half of March that I think will certainly um, help this team make a playoff push. I would say if at the beginning of the year I told you coming out of the All-Star break, you're five games above 500, um and the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference, we would have taken that. I think we caught a lot of teams by surprise at the beginning of the season, Jeff, and and now all of a sudden we've got a little bit more hunted than Hunter um, going. But, you know, it's been a matter of getting healthy, and it's been a matter of kind of settling into, okay, we're a really good defensive team, not a very good shooting team. um, But when healthy, we're able to knock down enough shots from the perimeter to keep defenses uh, uh, honest. And that's been the whole thing. When you got Paulo and Franz, they attack the bucket, and you need guys around them to knock down perimeter shots still the worst perimeter shooting team in the league Um, but that's come around sort of over the course of the last six weeks so I think we're getting back to what we saw at the beginning of the season
1: I know you've got your eyes still on well pretty much the whole league I know how you operate but when you watch the Cavaliers what stood out to you most this season when it comes to the Cavs is it just is it Donovan Mitchell and just like is it is it the way that it's all gelled together what stands out to you man
4: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, since mid-December, they're the best team in the league. Like, it's Boston and Cleveland, and the offense has been just as good as the defense. Last year, it was the the regular season was more about how good a defensive team they are. I think they made some really smart moves. I think there's still, you know, Garland and Mobley have come back, and they haven't missed a beat. And so the idea, I think there's still, like, questions that need to be answered in the postseason, and I think we can acknowledge that they've been an amazing regular season team and enjoy that ride and then still acknowledge the fact that, like, you know the postseason was was disappointing last year, and they're going to have to do better than that um, this year. But with all that said, like you know, Max Fruce's percentages stink. The, the guy's playing like the 29th most minutes in the league, um, and he's provided the at the very least the spacing that you needed from three-point range um, to I think make the offense function as a whole. You got four guys in the top 90. Of made three pointers this year. Obviously, Mitchell's there, but you brought in Niang and you brought in Struess, and I think they've delivered. And then Sam Merrill's been a huge sort of revelation. He was there, what, the back half of last year, but those three guys have delivered that spacing that you didn't have last year. So Mitchell's been able to play MVP caliber basketball, I think, because he's gotten a lot of help. And then Jared Allen is so, you know, underappreciated. I found a nice little nugget here. I will deliver it for you guys. Nice.
2: Here we go. Since
4: the beginning of 2021. Oh come on! I mean, I got prep to do. Um, so you guys are the beneficiaries. Thank you. Since the beginning of twenty one twenty two, ninety times Jared Allen—it's a double double—but ninety times he's had ten plus points and ten plus rebounds in a game. Cavs are seventy one and nineteen in those ninety games, and wow. so and he's and, you know he's top ten in screen assists. We know how important he is to all the little things on the floor. Um, the Cavs are just a complete team right now, and I think it has to do with. With the additions they made in the offseason, I think some of them have been um, a little underappreciated. I think Merrill's been obviously outstanding. Um, And Mitchell, for as much I understand the consternation about his future, but, man, sit back and enjoy the ride. He's under contract for next year. It's not like he's sending cryptic tweets like LeBron used to um, and has one (laughs) foot out the door, right? He seems to be enjoying himself. So it's good vibes. And I do think there was a whole lot of talk, and and, and I'm guilty of it, about J.B. Bickerstaff and the job he had done. Uh, earlier in the season, I I think the last two months are proof positive, um, that he's a good coach and he's done a hell of a job.
3: Uh, obviously we have all worked together for way too long because our last segment, we talked about Jared Allen saying some of the same things you did without the <laughs> great stat that you had. Uh, I'll just give you another little bit of prep for tonight. Check out his splits for December and January when Evan Mobley was out for most of the months and they're, yeah. they're phenomenal. Um, And and we also talked about the playoff stuff that's coming up by the way, later in the show. Congratulations. Thank you for that. Uh, Because we feel the same way. This is all great. What are you going to do in the playoffs? All that said, you get a look at the entire NBA. You, You get a, an up close and personal look at other teams. Is there a team in the East other than your Orlando magic that you think might jump up from the bottom, not top four that, and I, I don't mean in the, in the standings the rest of this way, Jake, but a team that, okay, you get to the playoffs, this is the team to watch, and they, that they could really put something together and really knock somebody out who you don't expect to get knocked out.
4: Yeah. Um, I, so New York probably doesn't qualify. I think when they get healthy, they're going to be scary, but they're at the four seed right now. It's going to be the boring answer, and it's going to be the Miami Heat at the seven seed, even with us. Like, I don't know, Chicago, Atlanta, nobody else. And I think we're probably a year off. I think if we can get a first-round series, we'll be happy, like, get out of that play-in scenario Mm -hmm. or or win through the play-in scenario. But Miami's a team that's battle-tested. They're, you know, I mean, last year they made a run to the finals out of the play-in tournament. Um, And I think they're just sort of biding their time. So I'll say Miami. I know it's a boring answer. But um, the Eastern Conference, in my opinion, right, like, I – Milwaukee's got a lot to figure out, and they've got to figure it out quick. And so it's Boston and Cleveland as far as I'm concerned. And I do think New York gets healthy when they get their guys back um, as long as they have enough time to get everything squared away. It's a pretty scary team as far as I'm concerned. But I don't see anybody else. Like, I don't like Indiana at all. I don't like Philadelphia without Embiid as far as the postseason goes, obviously. And so, to me, Miami's the one that isn't in the top six right now, and you can see making another deep run.
3: If Embiid comes back, look out. If he has enough time and he's healthy enough, I, I think yes. Philly could be fun.
4: I, Philly was my pick before he went down. Like I, I thought they did a really good job with the Harden deal, bringing in some guys
3: um, that,
4: that at the very least you didn't need to, to coach up and they didn't need to learn the system. That's why I think Nurse has done a phenomenal job. And then obviously going and getting Buddy healed I think will help them quite a bit. Um, but, uh, you know, that's the big the big ifs. Do you get him beat back? Do you have enough time? And, and, and what
3: version of him do you get back? Great to have you with us, Buddy. Keep up the Always. great work and uh, hope you're sleeping. No, you're a father.
4: <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing okay. I
3: appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Be well. Thanks, buddy. Talk soon, bud. Jake Chapman, our former producer, our co-worker, joining us on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline, now the radio voice of the Orlando Magic and the Magic Against the Cavaliers tonight at the Fieldhouse. We're going to make Jeff Thomas do it next. Somebody let him know right here on Baskin and Phelps. And Mandy Bell covers the Guardians for MLB.com coming up at 1 o'clock. We're going to talk a little shortstop later on in the show as well. Justin Fields is the, of course, former Ohio State quarterback who now plays for the Chicago Bears and I think is a good young quarterback, a guy that I would would bank on, and the Chicago Bears probably won't bank on because – through a trade with the Carolina Panthers, they end up with the number one overall pick in the draft this year after trading it away last year. So good for them. It it worked. And now they have the number one pick, and by all accounts, they're going to take Caleb Williams. Correct? By all all accounts.
1: Yeah, it sounded that way, but again. Could, Could change. Could change. Who knows? We... We all know how this draft process works, mm-hmm. and you know, one person steers one way, and then everybody follows that for a while, and then it steers another direction, and then there's another rumor, and someone else talked to somebody. Like, We all know how this goes. I,
3: However, by all accounts, they're going to take Caleb Williams and probably move on from Justin Fields and trade him somewhere. You'd think. That, that's You'd the think. most likely scenario. It's not locked in stone by any stretch. Right. They could keep Caleb they could not take Caleb Williams. They could trade the number one pick, get an absolute haul for him. Think Justin Fields is the guy long term. Keep him. They could draft Caleb Williams and keep Justin Fields and wait until they think they might get a better return for him. There are a lot of things that could happen. Most likely they take Caleb Williams and trade Justin Fields. So look in that direction.
1: I mean it's and you could see why Caleb Williams is really talented. Um Chase Daniels did a really good, the former NFL quarterback did a really good breakdown of why everybody loves Caleb Williams for anybody out there who has not watched him play. You can kind of see all the different small things that he does. Uh, the fields part of it is interesting because it's real interesting. Yeah. I, is he good? Or is the jury still out? Cause I kind of want to see the jury's still out. And
3: part you do, of that, huh? I, I think, I think he was in a not very good offensive situation there in Chicago.
1: Matt Nagy's offense was a mess and then they brought in Luke Getzey, who was the quarterback's coach for the Packers, and they wanted to emulate some of the stuff that Matt LaFleur was doing with the Packers, with Justin Fields. And it
3: lasted, what, a year?
1: And that fell apart. And he's now with the Raiders. Right. And now that fell apart. And so it's it's very Bears-ish. I'm not trying to, like, poke fun or anything like that, but it's like the Bears have been this rudderless ship for the last 10 years, if not possibly longer. And he just kind of seems like another one of those guys that's going to get tossed to the wayside because he got drafted to the Bears and they don't have a direction.
3: And so they just kind of It's very reminiscent of Mitch Trubisky, to be honest, of of Mitch in Chicago. And, And Mitch had a better record than Justin Fields in Chicago, but he was probably playing on better teams. So they've had two high draft choices at quarterback, and it's not worked out with either one of them.
1: If I'm a team, I'd take a shot on Fields. And it's just due to the fact that, like, Maybe this is one of those situations where this where it was so bad in Chicago and they were so rudderless for so long that you can get this guy and maybe get the potential out
3: of him because he was he was outstanding at Ohio State. He was really good. He
1: was excellent.
3: Eleventh eleventh choice in the draft by Chicago. So they had a high draft choice invested in him, obviously. You could see
1: why people were really high in him and you could see parts of his game, and you started to see it come out a little bit last year. When they brought in DJ Moore and it started to click a little bit better, you could see where fields, where the talent was, and you could see what people liked him, and it wasn't just the mobility of it. It was the fact that he could throw on the run. He can make a lot of different throws. He's just got to tune some stuff up, and he really hasn't had the coaching or anybody pushing him in any one direction
3: because there's just so much change. Justin's not real happy. You know, he, Here's a young guy who just wants to be somewhere. Wants to know what his future is, Dan. And apparently on social media, on his Instagram account, no longer follows the Chicago Bears. Yeah, and that gets everybody all fired up. He was on a podcast from the Brown brothers. The St. Brown brothers. Amon Ra St. Mm-hmm. Brown and Equinemius St. Brown.
1: Mm-hmm. And said what? Well, he had this to say, and this is audio courtesy of the St. Brown Brother podcast.
3: <laughs> All right, so he, he throws Equanimius under the bus about some girl mm-hmm. or, or possibly some girl. EQ's a great nickname as well, by the way. Just because you're not following her doesn't mean you're not messing with her. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and, right and then he wants down. it to be over and done with, and he's not going to follow. Uh, I, I kind of get that. Then again, you could just not look at your timeline, Correct. Couldn't you not do that? (laughs) Jeff. You could go and buy a flip phone for vacation. Jeff. (laughs) Jeff. Couldn't you not do that? Yes, you could. Okay, Jeff,
1: you have kids. If you went up to them and said, I need you to delete Instagram off of your phone or... I will cut off a finger mob style. Mm. I think they'd give up the finger. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Might be be (laughs) right. right. And I'm not even like, this isn't much of a stretch. People are addicted to this
3: thing. Yeah, I know. They're
1: addicted to their Instagram
3: page. Exactly why I held out on getting... Anything other than the flip phone, especially
1: that, especially the generation under me. I'm 35. If you look at the tw- the people in the 20s and even younger than that, holy mackerel! Like they're hooked. They're hooked on the stories. They're hooked on the pictures. They're hooked on you know Snapchat, TikTok. Sometimes a little bit on the X, not quite as much Instagram for sure. Like there's a whole generation that only communicates via social media. Like via Snapchat. That's yeah. how people communicate with each yeah, other. I, I know. And if you're going to go to him, and especially him who's that age, going, yeah, I just need it off of my page so that I can enjoy it. I know your option is like, well, you could just not look at it. Well, yeah, but to them, that's like, okay, but I can I'm not do in that my 20s, I or I can cut off my big toe. Uh, what do you prefer?
2: All right, we get the idea. <laughs> we get the
3: idea. But it could just not look. Instead, he's not following him or whatever. I, there, there's been I'm some talk that his trade value is slipping. And I don't know if I buy that or not. And there, there was some talk that you know you might get a first-rounder for him. Then the talk was, okay, you get a second-rounder and you know a late-round pick for Justin Fields. I've even seen as low as a third-round pick for Justin Fields. And that made me think, if I'm any team that's looking for a quarterback, there's no way I'm not going to jump on that opportunity. And the, the team I've, I've seen most associated with them is the Atlanta Falcons. I've also seen the New England Patriots. Both teams need a quarterback. Uh, the Patriots have a higher draft choice. They could get one in the draft. I, and, of course, Fields is from Georgia, went to Georgia until he transferred to Ohio State. He, Justin Fields in Atlanta I think would be a great fit. Let me throw something at you that's more than hypothetical. The Browns need a backup quarterback. Do they need a quarterback to actually challenge Deshaun Watson, or does that do nothing but mess up the entire thing here? Because if I'm Andrew Barry and I'm talking to Chicago and I say, would a third round, and they say yes, It's a great value. I'd be really tempted, man. If for no other reason than this, Dallas picked up Trey Lance for a fourth-round pick. The guy that the Niners gave up multiple number one picks for, Dallas got for a fourth. And they just kept him on the roster. And he was their third quarterback behind Cooper Rush, behind Dak Prescott. Maybe Rush is out of there this year and Trey Lance becomes the backup. Maybe he doesn't. But maybe some team calls Dallas and says, hey, we'll give you a third. All right, well, for trading a fourth, you end up moving up, you know, maybe 30-some spots in the draft, maybe more. And I wonder if you're the Browns or, let's say, another team that could use a backup quarterback, would you trade for Justin Fields? Dan, I, I think I would except for one possibility. If you bring in Justin Fields, let's just say you brought him in here for a third, Does it just completely mess up this situation where you're trying to make sure that you get everything you possibly can out of Deshaun Watson? So this is the last year that that Justin
1: Fields is cheap. You'd have to pick up his fifth-year option, which will cost you a chunk of change. But this is the last year that he's cheap. I think if we were playing fantasy football where we completely removed egos and we completely removed locker rooms and we did all of those things, makes 100% total sense. You would do it in a second. The question I have when it comes to Justin Fields and bringing him in here, if it was a value pick like that, is would that be seen – is competition in that locker room? Well, that's the thing. Or and, would that be seen as grooming
3: the next starter in that locker and room? And that's the thing. And, and, Dan, how could it not be? I mean, Justin Fields, I think Justin Fields is really interesting. I think he's been in a bad situation. I think he's better than what his perception might be in Chicago. And if it weren't for them having the number one pick, they'd think they have a good young quarterback, that we just need to put more talent around and coach up.
2: Yeah, it's a fascinating proposal. It,
3: it is. Uh, and
2: it's just, again, because if, you,
1: if we put this all on paper and we, we react on paper and we live on paper, knowing that injuries are going to take place, knowing that Deshaun Watson will probably miss two games, three games. I mean, I think we could kind of just pencil that in right now. It's the modern NFL. Quarterbacks get hurt all the darn time. Sure. So, if that's the case, do you feel confident rolling Justin Fields out there compared to whatever other person you decide to point to? If let's, let's hypothetically say Jimmy G. Do you feel better about Justin Fields over Jimmy G? Yeah, I do. I feel better well, about Fields I, over I Jimmy G. Think,
3: I would think Justin Fields would be an asset where Jimmy G or Mitch Trubisky or right. somebody else would, would, would be a backup quarterback. Do you know what I mean? Right. I wouldn't consider those guys an asset. I think Fields could be an asset. Jeff in Cleveland sends me a text, $230 million say we don't need competition at quarterback.
1: And that's the other part of it. Yeah, yeah.
3: Is it's? He also says he's 55, and he thinks he'd give up a finger if you told him to stop watching Instagram.
1: <laughs> there was a whole piece that was out there, not to derail this conversation, there was a great piece that was out there that was basically saying that we've gone from art to now needing entertainment to now basically having... You know, mental stimulation take place of all of it, of all these Instagram reels that are thirty five seconds long and whatever. That that's become the ultimate distraction. In yeah. life. It was a wonderful piece. I should find
3: it. In Kevin's in Cuyahoga Falls. Kevin, all right, Kevin.
5: Hey, gentlemen, how are we doing today? Great, doing thank doing
3: you,
5: well. buddy. Hey, real quick, before I get to my Justin Fields take, uh, this is a my seventeen year old goes to play with his friends. I go upstairs, he's in his room, still ten o'clock at night. I go, what are you doing? He goes, I'm playing with my friends, and I'm like, but you're here. He goes, Yeah, right. <laughs> That's what they do. They now get online, and they all play together online. And I'm like, don't you go to someone's house? He's like, well, no, because then I don't have my computer. It's insanity. <laughs> like, oh, boy. Different world. Wow. Kevin.
1: It's it's unbelievable where everything is compared to – I said, I'm 35. Even where I grew yeah. up compared to now is insane.
5: Yeah, my teenager lives with his phone. I mean, the worst punishment we give him is take his phone away. I'm telling you, it's like he'll do anything to avoid that. So oh, it's, you're right. Yeah, you take yep.
1: your left arm away. They, they'd rather yeah. give you that.
5: Yeah. Hey, on Justin Fields, uh, Jeff, I would absolutely love to have Justin Fields. Are you kidding me? The guy has been in the black hole of football for three years. I mean, Chicago's done nothing to help him. He's had the worst offensive line the entire time. He's nothing but a punching bag back there. And yet, even with that, his yards of passing has gone up every year. His completion percentage has gone up every year. And his touchdown to interception ratio has gone up every year. He's literally done everything you want a young quarterback to do. He's improved every single year, even with the garbage that Chicago puts on the field with him. So, yeah, if I was a GM with any team and someone says Justin Fields is up for bid for a third-round pick, I would jump all over that because the young man has done nothing but show he's gotten better and better and better every year in what I would consider a bad football situation for a quarterback.
3: Kevin, thank you very much. And think about this. If this is a decision year on Deshaun Watson, I'm not saying that it is. If it is, it's your three of a five-year contract. If if he doesn't show it this year, you're going to need somebody. What if you already had that somebody here? Daryl Ryder covers the Browns for us here at the Fan. He's next on Baskin and Phelps. Just worked himself into a lather this morning, filling in on the morning show with Jonathan Peterlin. So Andy's not here today with us. That'll happen. You know, sometimes you got to move around, do what you got to do.
1: That'll happen. That'll happen. <laughs> you know, so, again, some See, days you want to wake up early. You want to get
3: your work out of the way. And, so we just came in and did a show.
1: Right. You know, it's like I'm up
3: at 3. I think I'll just come in and I'll do a just show. I'll just come
1: in. I'll get my work done for the day, and then I can spend the rest of the day goofing off.
3: Daryl's going to join us momentarily. Mitch Spinell is the new producer on the morning show and Mitch, you know, one of the fine young talents we have working here at the station. I check in with them a couple of times a week. How's it going? Okay. How's your sleep pattern? That's all right. Um, uh, you, you doing okay. Yep. What time are you getting up? Three three thirty, four o'clock. <laughs> I'm sorry. Morning, it, morning radio just makes me want to cringe. Ken it's and, just a Ken different Anthony, lifestyle. Congratulations to you. I don't know how you guys pull it off. I don't know how they do it either. As know.
1: somebody who has issues sleeping to begin with, that whole idea of like, oh, yeah, i got to make sure I'm in bed by like nine. It's like, you know, I, I've it's unbelievable. To yeah, me. I, I can't do that.
3: I, I I've worked late nights too long. that I just I can't go to bed if I go to bed before like 1030. It's really early for me. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how the morning guys do it. About 11,
1: 11.30, possibly midnight. You know, Those are the ones I end up doing.
3: Way to, way to push the envelope. We were just talking about Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears and the quarterback situation, and, and it's going to be a real interesting off season with quarterbacks, and, and certainly not just Justin Fields, because the free, the free agent market has some interesting guys, Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield, Ryan Tannehill, um, Joe Flacco, of course. Uh, let's bring in our... Guy who's brought to us by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. He is Daryl Ryder. Hello, Daryl. What's up, Bud? What's happening, guys? Uh, my thought is this: and, and before we move on to some other things, we were talking about Justin Fields. If the asking price for for Justin has dropped, as some folks are reporting, and and some folks have said even a third round pick, which I, I boy, I, that sounds really low to me. I want your thought on that. But if it's a third round pick, and you're a team like the Browns couple of others who might need a backup quarterback, but clearly you have a starting quarterback. Would you? No. Explain why.
6: Uh, you have Deshaun Watson. You have all your money invested there. So, uh, no. Uh, Justin Fields will probably go somewhere where he can actually play. I would so. think
3: that's the case, too. Let me throw this at you, though. If this is a prove it year for Deshaun Watson, and if, if the Browns, and there are a lot of ifs here, if the Browns are going to look at this year and think, okay, it went beautifully, we're set. Or it didn't go well, we have two years under contract with this guy, what are we going to do? Would you want to have a guy in place who could be the next quarterback? Or Daryl? would having that guy in place just mess up the locker room and mess up everything this coming year for the Browns?
6: I I didn't realize Justin Fields to the Browns was
3: even a conversation to be had. (laughs) Well, Justin Fields to somewhere is a conversation to be had, which is I understand. But Justin Fields to Cleveland was not on my bingo card this offseason. No, that's okay. <laughs> but that's what I'm wondering: if the price keeps dropping, should it be? That's, no, that's I my mean, question. you're
6: you're all in with Deshaun. You 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 cannot. Th- this is not the year to make the what if Deshaun. Uh, that th- this isn't the year to do that. So. Now, no, next year, different conversation. But this year, no. You have to allow this year to play out. And whatever quarterback move you make this year has to be, okay, what can we do to insulate ourselves in the event something happens to Deshaun again? Um, So uh, I think that, you know, Justin Fields would kind of create a little bit of a problem there. Um, And I don't know competition
3: you might not want.
6: Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I just, I don't think that's a hornet's nest you want to be shaking right now. Now, again, if, if we're a year down the line, right? If this is 2025, and Deshaun does not have the type of season that everybody wants, expects, needs him to have, the conversation's completely different. Then it's, okay, how, how do you get out of this thing as seemly as possible? Uh, you know, how do you, uh, you know,. Uh, You know, prepare yourself to move on uh, from Deshaun and things like that. But we are nowhere near that bridge just yet. So, yeah, I think the Justin Fields conversation, it's fun. But I think uh, the reality of it is next to none. And uh, the practicality of it also uh, at this point doesn't seem to align.
1: When they look for a backup quarterback, Daryl, do you think it'll be somebody who has got a similar skill set to what Deshaun Watson does, or will they go the route of a Jacoby Brissett again? Or, you know, as everybody would want around here, the Joe Flacco type of thing where, okay, we got to evolve this thing, but this is a proven veteran backup quarterback.
6: Uh, They have not allowed that to impact their decision-making process. uh, As far as the backup quarterback goes, you know, um, I, you know, DTR is, I, I think with that in mind and, you know, there, there's a chance they go into 2024 with DTR is the number two there. Um, you know, I think he's kind of a little bit of a forgotten man in this whole equ- equation. It's part of the reason they drafted him last year, not, not so that he would actually play, but he could develop behind the scenes and, and Things like that, so let, let's not forget DTR in this equation is a potential number two. Um, it, you know, as far as a veteran presence, I yeah, I, I'm not caught up in the whole skill set thing. Uh, you know, you, you look at uh, year one with Deshaun, it was Jacoby Brissett who is not uh, a similar player uh, to Deshaun in any way, shape, or form, right? Um, you know, th- this past season, you know, they Joe Flacco. Nowhere near the same type of player as Deshaun, and granted, that was a break the glass in case of emergency type of a situation there, uh, and bringing him in in November. But um, I don't think that they're all that caught up in uh, you know we have to find a Deshaun Watson clone uh, to be the number two quarterback. But if that is a requirement, well, they probably have that kid already in house in DTR, and it's a it's basically a matter of getting him. Uh, comfortable and developed enough so that, you know, when he steps back on the field, if needed, he's a lot more prepared. He's a lot more polished and uh, you know, the the results end up being uh, a lot better, which again, we saw that last season, right? I mean, his first start against Baltimore was an unmitigated disaster because he found out, you know, two and a half hours before kickoff, wasn't prepared for that. Uh, his, His second start, he looked a lot better. You, you saw improvement there. So again, don't discount DTR as uh, the number two quarterback because that's a big reason why they drafted him was to eventually
3: be their number two. Daryl, I I love that idea. To be perfectly honest, I think it's I think it's great because a doesn't cost you a ton, and b you're developing a young guy who you hope can step in and be with you for a really long time. Do you think anything he did last year changes the way the front office thinks about him?
6: No. Because they look, they they look at it different, right? I mean, uh, the fans, us, you know, we're looking at results. We're uh, they're looking at it differently. Um, and, and again, he wasn't supposed to play at all last year, and he he got kind of thrown to the wolves, if you will. So, uh, and again, I realize that's that's part of life in the National Football League and pro sports in general. You never know when your number gets called. You're a play away, but or two, uh, but. Uh, no, I, I don't think that that changes the calculus of Andrew Berry in the front office as far as what they uh, uh, feel, believe, uh, project when it comes to DTR's future. And you said it—you um, know—they're the, paying him next to nothing. Yeah. And, and, and Daryl, for it, whatever
3: it's worth, the preseason I thought he did a really nice job.
6: Yeah, he did. And, and again, I, I think that that, fir- that first Baltimore game would have gone a lot better had he found had he been prepared in the middle of the week for it. Right. Um, and had the practice time leading up to that game to get those reps. I mean, his first reps with the first-team offense came during the game. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So I I realize not an ideal situation, and your job is your job to to, to perform in less-than-ideal conditions. But, I I mean, I I can't really fault him for having a bad game in his debut. And, again, I think you have to give him credit because the second time out, he was – he was much better.
3: Gerald Ryder joining us. He's our Browns beat reporter. Covers everything in Cleveland for us, as a matter of fact. I have two I'll more. be at the Cavs game tonight. I, I, Cavs we're going to talk a little Cavs with you in a second. I have two more line questions for you. One on the offense. Do you think all three of the tackles that played last year, the key guys who got hurt, Dewan Jones, Jedrick Wills, Jack Conklin, are they all back next year? Uh, yeah, I think okay. so. All right. And- with who is the backup?
6: Uh, Jones, wow. Okay, well, you're you're you're, you're paying Wilson Conklin, yeah, uh, thirty million combined. You're, you're going to play those guys. Are
3: they trade candidates?
6: Um, mm, I don't think you want to go that route, Con- considering what you went through last year. There's there's no such thing as having a, a, enough good offensive linemen, and you know you got a taste of what Dewan Jones brings to, to the table as a rookie last year. It's unfortunate that it, his season ended due to injury, but Here's the thing too, Jed Wills is up uh after this season, right? So when you look at big picture, uh that problem solves itself. Dewan Jones then slides in there and or it, you know, and y- y- you problem solved there. So no, uh it's yeah. not the worst thing that you go in with three starting tackles and as you saw last year, Jeff, they went through all of them. So um I, I'm I'm pretty confident that those three guys uh,
3: are, are going to be here uh, this season. Browns have some holes on the defensive line. and Yeah, just a
6: few. <laughs>
3: a, a few. Darn that free agency that's coming up. Don't you hate that? It, it were, I thought they did a great job last year, Daryl, bringing in some qualified veteran players who stepped in and did a really nice job and gave Jim Schwartz what he needed. Now, here, here's yeah. the question. You have the holes. Are, are the – guys to fill the holes the same guys who were here last year are they locked into Shelby Harris and Moe Hurst and Zedaria Smith and you want to get them back or do they just need to go get guys who can do the same thing that those guys did
6: well that's the that's the challenge for Barry right now because you know they they went out and they traded for Zadaria Smith he's uh, among the unrestricted uh, free agents uh, that you know they have to make a decision on Maurice Hurst Shelby Harris also unrestricted free agents, Jordan Elliott. Let's not forget about him. Sure. So you've got three defensive tackles and your starting defensive end. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, that are uh, going to be unrestricted free agents. And there are, look, there, there are uh, decisions to be uh, made there. And, um, you know, Andrew Barry, to your point, he's done a really good job with the one year contracts, right? Uh, you know, the, the really one nice. year yeah. patching the whole thing. Um, I think, I think the next step for him is they need more long-term solutions up front as well, right? They, they signed uh, Dalvin Tomlinson last year to a multi-year contract in free agency. So that's one. I, I really feel like that other defensive end spot opposite of miles Garrett. They've got, they've got to find a multi-year solution there. Um, and, and again, Jadavian Clowney was great for one season. Unfortunately, year two with him didn't go as as well as uh, you know uh, they would have hoped, and and he wore out his welcome. Right, uh, and then you go out, you get a, a, a Z- 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 Smith, uh, which you gave up nothing in a trade with Minnesota. Uh, and again, that's that's a credit to Andrew Berry filling holes without really giving up much uh, to do it. The other thing to keep in mind there too. And to watch for is, you know, how they feel about Alex Wright. You know, is he ready um, with the time that he has already gotten? Is he ready to step into a full time role? Right? Is that an internal? Um, is that an internal fix, if you will? Right? They maybe they don't need to go out uh, and and get a starting defensive end to to put opposite. Of Miles Garrett, that remains to be seen. Uh, I forgot Sam Kamara. I apologize. He's a uh, he's an exclusive uh, rights free agent, so he's not going anywhere. Uh, another young guy, uh, you know, in the mix that they can uh, you know take a look at Isaiah McGuire also as well. So uh, you know, and and Obo Okoronkwo who got a uh, multi year contract uh, last off season, and we all thought that Obo was going to be the starter opposite Miles until the Zedaria Smith trade opportunity came up. So, um, yes, there are needs up up front, Jeff. There's no question about that. But there's also the potential that uh, maybe Andrew Barry might feel like they already have in-house solutions for some of those uh, openings.
1: All right, Daryl, you will be at the Cavs game tonight, covering up for 92-3, the fan, of course. What are you expecting to see out of the Cavaliers in the last third of the season?
6: Well, they first things first. They got a ton of games in a very short window coming out of this All Star break. Um, and if you look at the standings, I believe the Milwaukee Bucks have played four more games than the Cavaliers have played. Um, so they're gonna they're gonna make that up in the first two weeks. You know, coming out of uh, this particular uh, All Star break. So uh, one thing, I, the most important thing that I am looking for for them is J.B. Bickerstaff. Um using the bench to lower the minutes for the starting uh rotation. Uh, you know, giving Donovan, you know, cutting Donovan Mitchell's minutes back a little bit. Even though, okay, the minutes restrictions uh for Mobley and Garland might be off. I'm looking for uh, you know, those guys not to be overextended. You know what I'm saying? Um, and and he's just he's got to kind of figure out how to keep this 10man rotation fresh uh, and uh, engaged and making sure that everybody's getting some burn time uh, because look when it comes to the postseason let's be honest about it the rotation that's going to get tightened a little bit and then also too um, they're going to want to um, you know have options in the playoffs that's that's the beauty of this uh, of this bench. It, last year, they really didn't have a bench that produced for them, and so when you're talking about playing five and seven and nine and fourteen days, you know that's where that bench comes in because you don't want what happened last year in the postseason where it got <clears throat> to games four and five of that Knicks series, and Donovan Mitchell was pretty much gassed. Like he, he's he's not LeBron James, where you're going to play him all 48 minutes in the playoffs. Uh, and you're going to do that for every every game and every round that you're in. Like that's it, just not how it works. So uh JB keeping everybody engaged, keeping everybody hot, uh keeping the minutes down uh for his starters and still winning, uh that that's I think that they're you know, that's where their priorities should lie as they go down the stretch here.
3: Daryl, thanks buddy. You bet, thanks, guys. Daryl Ryder, our Cleveland beat reporter. And he's brought to us by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Some thoughts on what Daryl had to say about the, the Browns and some free agent stuff. Coming up after a 2020 from Andrew Hody. Andy Bell covers the Cleveland Guardians for MLB.com. And Mandy is going to join us at 1 o'clock right here on Baskin of Phelps. No Baskin today. Men instead. I'm Jeff Phelps. Daryl Ryder was just with us, and Daryl covers Cleveland sports for us as our beat reporter. Heavy focus on the Browns. And we just asked Daryl about three three things in particular that I want to discuss a little bit. We'd love your input if you'd like to make it. 216-474-0092. He said, Don't discount Dorian Thompson Robinson as the backup quarterback next year. And I asked, did the did anything that he did this year change the Browns thinking? And he said no. And I'm glad to hear that. I, I love the concept. Okay? Conceptually. You draft a guy in the fifth round and you develop him, and he's your backup quarterback. When reality hit, Maybe he got off to a bad start because of that Baltimore game and got a, you know, didn't get a chance to get all the reps and all that and as a rookie, that really hurt him. And he, he eventually won a game but went one and two as a starting quarterback this year. I, I, like, I like him. I think he's a, an interesting young quarterback. I can't say that he's a good young quarterback, Dan, because we don't really know that yet.
1: No, he got tossed to the Wolves. I, and the I next agree. couple times he found his way out there, you could tell the coaching staff didn't trust him to do everything that needed to be done I do, an
3: I do think he's a really interesting prospect at quarterback. And you see guys get developed who are later round draft picks, and they end up being just fine as your backup quarterback. Economically, it's the way to go. And then you have a young guy who you might be able to have on your team for a long period of time without having to pay him an absolute boatload. And if you happen to get really lucky and you develop him into something, like Green Bay did for years, you know, let's, let's just say that it works out beautifully with Deshaun this year and he's terrific, but in two or three games he has to sit, DTR comes in and lights it up. Plays really well, like Jake Browning did, mm-hmm. in, in place of Joe Burrow this year in Cincinnati. Well, then all of a sudden you have Mark Brunel. Exactly. Who the Jags are going to trade the Packers for. You're, you're going to have Matt Hasselbeck. New England with percent and Jimmy Garoppolo. The question is this. Is that okay? Can you go into the season and think, we're going to be good with DTR if Deshaun Watson goes down? That's, to me, that's a big question. It really is. I hope so. I want them to kind of have that philosophy
1: of like, okay, we can keep costs down. We can take that amount of money and invest it in defensive line, or we can invest it in other areas where we're going to need depth. The question that I have behind it is, okay, if the game is on the line in whatever form that this offense takes of Ken Dorsey and Deuce Staley and everybody else who came in here, Tommy Reese, who's going to help build a newer a new offense that better fits Deshaun Watson and clicks the way that they want it to Can DTR execute that at the level that they want it to be or are they better off going okay here's the the Deshaun Watson offense we will run this with Deshaun Watson if Deshaun Watson is gone let's run this which is something that we've had in our back pocket, and everybody knows how to run because it's going to be relatively, at least as of right now, it seems like it's going to be, all right, bring the gang on back on offense. You know, Let's bring everybody back. We'll bring back Njoku. We'll bring back Cooper. We'll bring up the offensive line. We'll have the running back situation where it is. And we could fall back onto what we ran last year if we need to. Are you better off doing that? Or are you better off going, okay, here's our offense. Let's find somebody who can also run it in a very similar fashion to Deshaun Watson. And that's the question I have is because after watching DTR this season, you could clearly tell they did not trust him. Now, is that because he was a fifth-round draft pick who was a rookie? Or if that's really where he is and they're not going to be able to develop him any further? That's the question that I have behind all of this because Mm – Boy, they put a dome on that offense. I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I can tell you they didn't have him throw the ball more than 50 yards, I think, or 15 yards. I think it was like five times they had him throw a ball further than 15 yards down the field.
3: That was interesting because he's he's got a strong arm. Right. I, I think I think it's an interesting thing to watch, and I'm curious to see what they're going to do here in free agency with a really interesting collection of free agent quarterbacks available. And if they if they don't Go get that veteran who you th- is clearly, you know, the guy who would be the backup. Are our, our fans going to be in an uproar about that? And if you do go get that guy, do you care if you run the risk of maybe having to stash DTR on a practice squad and then have some other team take him? It, it, it's something that's going to have to play out this off season. It's not. It's not the biggest thing in the world. Biggest thing in the world is Deshaun Watson staying healthy and being your quarterback.
1: No, you don't realize. You need a backup quarterback who is of some level of quality until your starting quarterback has a rolled ankle and has to miss a game or has the flu or has whatever else and has to miss it. And all of a sudden, the backup quarterback comes in and you go, oh, no, this is not good. I now see why he was able to succeed in the second half of preseason games. Mm -hmm. Oof.
3: I asked Daryl about the tackle situation. DeWan Jones, terrific. You know, a rookie stepped in, did a really nice job at right tackle, then he was injured and out for the year. Jack Conklin hurt early on, out for the year. Jack's had a couple of serious injuries. Can he return and, and be you know, back to health because he's a Pro Bowl caliber guy? And Jed Wills, first-round draft choice, I think gets a bad rap because he's not Joe Thomas. He's not the best left tackle in the biz, and he's not the worst either. He's fine. Daryl thought Jedrick Wills, Jack Conklin, your starters, and Dewan Jones coming off the bench. I like that in again, in theory. Does that work? I think it could work. I mean, why why would you wonder if it if it couldn't? Because Dewan Jones might be ready to be a big time tackle in the NFL. Okay. That I, that's I, why. It's it that's it more than anything. That he showed that he can be better than either one of those guys. Maybe. I, maybe. And that's up to the Browns to evaluate. Of course. And I agree with you. I mean, he did he did an outstanding job at right tackle. He
1: was really good. I don't know if he could turn around and play left tackle it the same way. We we all think that they could just turn around and do these things. and the offensive lineman will tell you, no, the footwork's different. All the, the philosophies are different. The communication, all that stuff is all different. They can't just flop from side to side. But when it comes to Don Jones, like, yeah, I, I can see it. I think it's there. The talent is there. The problem is, is you've already got all this money locked up and – it's almost turned into like offensive linemen have almost turned into like relief, really, like starting pitching where it's like, if you think you have enough, go get more. In the same way that's turned into offensive linemen. It's like, do you think you have enough offensive linemen? Go get more.
3: And I, especially I after agree. last season. I would agree. Billy's in Oberlin. Hi, Billy. Welcome up, to Billy? the show.
7: Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you? Well, thank Doing you. Doing well. Awesome. Uh, just two quick points, if I may. Uh, so, Jeff, you made a comment about how You know, Green Bay had a guy that kind of sat. He was a backup. You know, now he's doing well. But he was also a first-round pick.
3: Uh, Actually, Um, I didn't mention Jordan Love. I mentioned guys that they took later, Mark Brunel and Matt Hasselbeck.
7: Well, you did say those names after that, but I – it sounded like you were referring to Jordan Love.
3: I, I wasn't. No, actually. the the I Packers had,
1: the Packers had a long philosophy where every draft they would take a quarterback, Go get
3: a quarterback and, and develop. Yeah,
1: with the idea that they'll either bust out, be a backup, be trade bait, or be our starter. Right. and they I,
3: did that for years. I under wasn't. Ron I wasn't thinking Love nor Aaron Rodgers, who they did the same thing with.
7: Okay, fair. Uh, and then the second point is, like you know, you made a comment about how uh, the Browns haven't seen anything to kind of like dissuade them right from. DTR. So well, Daryl question- said that. Okay. But you were happy to hear that, correct?
3: Yeah. I, I would love to see DTR become the backup quarterback because I think it, it solves a lot of issues. I don't well, know. I don't know if that's going to happen, Billy.
7: Well, of course it would solve a lot of issues, but my question is, you know, would it ultimately though, or do you, did he give you anything to feel like, Hey, this guy could be a great or good enough backup quarterback.
3: And Billy, that's the question that I don't know the answer to. I, I wonder if the Browns do. Do you think they did you see anything? I, I loved him in the preseason, but that's only preseason.
7: Yeah, every every guy's uh, all pro in preseason. Um no, I did not. I mean he went one and two. Forgive me, well who who did he beat? What was the team? I
3: have it right here. Hold on a second.
7: Yeah. It, it's look, okay.
1: He's he's the path of release resistant backup quarterback and was sometimes pitch, the path it of Pittsburgh. least resistant
3: isn't the best. It was way Pittsburgh, to go. thirteen to ten.
7: Okay, which we know how awesome that offense was, right? So, like, it, yeah, it is a path of least resistance, but it's also the path that they chose, and they have to stick to it because they drafted them.
3: Billy, you so know what I, I think is going to happen? I I, I think they're going to obviously keep DTR, and I think they're going to bring in a veteran quarterback and have him duke it out. And if DTR doesn't win the backup quarterback job, I think they'll either move on from him or run the risk of putting him on the practice squad and having him claimed by somebody else. That's what I think is going to happen.
7: So then who's the vet that you want?
3: Uh, Boy, there are a number of them. And and Billy, thank you for the phone call. We've talked about it. There are a number. Flacco would be fine. Trubisky would be fine. Jimmy G would be fine. There there are a lot of guys out there who are going to be looking for jobs. Jacoby Brissett would be fine. Mm -hmm. So I, I think there are a number of guys who could do that. And I wouldn't. Perfect scenario for me. You get one of those guys. Let him compete with DTR. If DTR doesn't win the job, you put him on the practice squad. And if you lose him, you lose him. That—that's my overriding thought on that. Anybody agree? Two one six four seven four zero zero nine two. It's Baskin and Phelps right here on the fan. Guardians are in Goodyear, Arizona. There are jobs to be won. There are people out there covering such things. Mandy Bell is one of them for MLB.com. She covers the Guardians. She's going to join us in 17 minutes and 45 seconds right here on Basket of Phelps. I'm Jeff Phelps. Andy's not in today. He was in on the morning show today. Filling in for Carmen or Lima. Which one? I think he was technically in for Carmen. Peterlin was in. So that means he was technically in for Lima? I think that's how it works. I don't know. I feel like it's interchangeable. Andy apparently only able to work with guys whose initials are JP.
1: Well, you know, that's a good way to live life.
3: They haven't steered him wrong yet. It's not a bad way to go. Um, So Andy's not here. But that was Dan Minigan, And Dan doing his work and Andy's work and everybody else's work today, which we really appreciate. We're going to talk to Mandy coming up at 1 o'clock. Uh, The new coach for that team up north, that would be the uh, Michigan Wolverines, has already started trash-talking, apparently. Mm. And the 12-team college football playoff system officially has been adopted. Nick Wilson, Spencer German, cover it all. And uh, all the other college football headlines in their new Sons of the Shoe episode. It's at 923thefan.com, on the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts. One thing that Mandy and everybody else dealing with in, in Goodyear and throughout spring training Major League Baseball has changed its uniforms for this year. And now the new company is Nike, is it not? So they signed a deal with Nike, I
1: think it was 2019? 2020? Somewhere in there. Major League Baseball has always had a fascination with Nike having the rights to their jerseys. and
3: Yeah. And they have different pants this year um, I- and jerseys. But if you see some pictures of some of the players. In these pants, it looks like you can see material, whether it's pockets or not, I don't know. I don't think they're front pockets on baseball pants. But it looks like, like you know, how pants have front pockets and they are inside, you know, the outside layer of the pants. It looks like you're seeing pockets through the front of their pants. It's just material that's there, which makes you think, well, if I can see that, then these are see through. It looks like They're it's the tucked-in jersey. because Somewhat transparent. To, yeah, we're starting
1: to see pictures of You think it's in. the tucked-in jersey is I what that is? I think that's what it is, which is All also right, well, it looks concerning. Like, it looks like pockets, oh, does yeah. it not? Oh, these pants are see-through. There will be nothing left of the the imagination of anybody who will be watching this season. If you are watching someone who enjoys a pair of underwear that has some color to it, you're going to see every bit of that color. It's, it, these are leaving nothing to the imagination. And the players hate them, hate them, and have been vocalizing it to anyone who will listen. Uh, Steven Nesbeth wrote a great piece in The Athletic of players just going off on these uniforms and how bad they are and they are they're cheap has been thrown out
3: is that what they what? don't like they don't like the material
1: the material so it's it's supposed to be more breathable the players claim that they don't feel like actual jerseys they feel like you went to the team
3: shop and bought the replica and and if you know what that's like in this is not a knock like giveaway jerseys mm-hmm. at, at ballparks they're really light yes and if you if you're familiar with with baseball pants in this day and age some of them are really heavy and really thick. And players seem, many players seem to prefer those, Dan. The light ones, I know, I know baseball players just pitch those. They don't like them at all. And I think that seems to be the situation that's going on here. They're really light. They're more like baseball-looking workout pants that are really light. And baseball players are such creatures of habit that they can, uh, they're not wearing flannel anymore, but you know. Well,
1: and the other problem on top of it is if you've seen the numbers or the numbers are massive, the letters are small. And so that's also causing some issues on top of it with people is the fact that the numbers look so much bigger than the letters do on the back of the jersey that it just looks off. And if players are saying they feel cheap, if you can see through the pants, <laughs> which is a problem.
3: It can be problematic.
1: Right. I mean, it's not exactly what you want. And players are calling them cheap and we're comparing them to the replica jersey compared to what they're used to. This is an issue. And it's to the point that the MLBPA has decided to chime in and go, uh, this is a problem. And we're going to need to get this
3: fixed before the season starts because we can't have this. Can I? Uh, can I throw this one at you? It's a Nike product, correct? Correct. I'm not here to endorse Nike, but Nike makes pretty quality stuff. Other other manufacturers certainly do as well. But it might just be different. It might not be cheap. It might be light. It might be more giving. I, I don't know. I, I'm certainly not wearing them. But I, I find it interesting that the, you the word cheap was thrown out. Different I can buy. I can understand that, but cheap might be a little much. No? Especially for those players who might have endorsement deals with Nike. Well, if they're the, saying that, look out. <laughs> the
1: other problem that's come out of this is that it's gone hand-in-hand hand with Fanatics. And a lot of people who are have dealt with Fanatics and ordered things from Fanatics and all that stuff have had many a complaint when it comes to Fanatics. Uh, they're including things such as players' names being misspelled, uh, they own team names being misspelled. Like, that's the kind of stuff that you will get from Fanatics from time to time, and you'll see it blasted all over all of your social media accounts when somebody orders something. So now you're adding in that part of it that Fanatics, you know, Nike is making the uniforms, Fanatics are putting the names on them, doing all that kind of stuff, and so you've got all of these people then blasting Fanatics for all the terrible things that have happened in the past on top of the fact that Nike has now put out these jerseys that are causing – Serious issue. I mean, Tony Clark, the executive director, said Tuesday morning uh, he was meeting with players that he's frustrated with the uniform. Following up by saying, anytime there's change, there's an adjustment period. Sometimes that adjustment period goes well. Sometimes not so much. In this instant instance, there not appears so to be some misses that could have otherwise not been misses. <laughs> Taylor Ward of the Angels quote: "It looks like a replica. It feels." kind of like papery, it could be
3: great when you're out there sweating. It may be breathable, yeah, but I have That's the thing. That that might be the case. The see-through transparent aspect could be a problem.
1: But I haven't had the opportunity to try that out yet. This is Taylor Ward, uh, an outfielder for the Angels. But from the looks of it, it doesn't look like a $450 jersey. So, so far,
3: thumbs down. See, that's the the one thing about it. the The thick, heavy... You no know, baseball uniforms that I mentioned to you. Sorry, in in the middle of the summer when it's 90 degrees, they're not they're not ideal. But neither is being able to see-through pants and jerseys.
1: But on this part on top of it, Jeff. I don't remember us having a freak out over Nike taking over the NFL jerseys. I don't remember, and maybe I'm off, maybe you could think of some time that it took place. But, like, outside of, of course, of, like, the new Browns logo. Uh, design, I'll throw one at you. All that kind of stuff.
3: Do you remember when the NBA replaced its basketball with a, with a different version? Oh, yeah, and Steve Nash complained that it was cutting his fingertips. Exactly, exactly. right. And what did the NBA do? Went right back. Exactly. But what did the NBA do this last year? Change basketballs again. Manufacturers, they went to Wilson, I believe.
1: Mm-hmm. But is it... I mean, is it still a leather basketball? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Out of Wilson? Yeah. Well, because the whole thing with it is they went to that composite They went to the composite was, yeah.
3: indoor-outdoor type of thing. Exactly. Which are really nice if you're going indoor-outdoor. You have a basketball that has more of a leather feel to it. If you're actually indoors, why wouldn't you go to a leather basketball?
1: I mean, I'm getting texts from buddies telling me how garbage Fanatics is and sending me pictures of their stuff.
3: <laughs> are they playing Major League Baseball in uh, those no, uniforms?
1: No, they are not, but, but he does exercise a good amount.
3: Well, see, there you go.
1: So... This is the kind of stuff that it's like, especially when you're baseball, like, why are you messing with this? Why are we changing this? Why are why are we doing this without the players having any kind of involvement whatsoever? Because you'd think you would be like, okay, we're going to try this new uniform out in the offseason here. Let's bring in Mike Trout. Let's bring in Corbin Carroll. Let's bring in Jose Ramirez. Let's bring in all these guys. And let's have them put these on and run around for a little bit and then give us their thoughts. Like, Why aren't we, you know, why isn't Nike out even right now going like, okay, this is a trial balloon? We're going to give this a whirl. Let us tell us what you think. We can alter so that when the season starts up, we can either go back to the old uniforms or we can tinker with this enough that we have something that's good for you guys. (laughs) Like, keep it as a trial balloon instead of going like, oh, no, 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 this is it. You're just going to have to deal with it. And then getting the union involved and then having all, because it's just so baseball. We're like the NBA. The players are like, "I ah, yeah, this is cutting my fingertips." Can we go back to the old ball? And the NBA's like, "Yeah, we we'll go back to the old ball. Yeah, until we can figure do that.
3: this out." Then we shoot it all.
1: Major League Baseball, of course, is sticking their hand, knee, you know, heels right into the dirt and concreting them in, and going, "We're not changing them." There's no conversation here. Stop it.
3: That's really annoying when you do that. I like it.
1: I know. <laughs> and so is baseball when it comes to things that are. Oh, complex.
3: look at there. This is easy. You see the way we turn that right around there. That was beautiful. I I they'll figure it out. Right? And and if they're if they're as transparent as they kind of appear to be in some pictures, it will become a problem. And it will be a problem that Major League Baseball doesn't want to deal with. So they will get that fixed.
1: If they don't, and you want to protest for all the major league baseball players out there, and if anybody who's listening knows a few, feel free to pass this on. My suggestion is to find the loudest undergarments you can and proceed to wear them. (laughs) Like buy up the loudest Uh, underpants you can
3: find. Lime green, put red polka dots, put political statements on them. Oh goodness. Free Tibet right across the back of it. Like
1: just go absolutely berserk because that's how you're going to fix this is you just need to make an absolute and total mockery out of the entire ordeal. Oh, look. There goes Shohei Otani running across in bright pink with purple polka dots. That's nice. Looks good with that Dodger blue.
3: <laughs> That's funny. It would be perfect. That's really You'd funny. get
1: the unis back like that.
3: Regardless, uh, no matter who makes them, we will have players wearing jerseys that say Guardians across the front. And some of the questions, who's going to be playing shortstop? Anybody else in line to maybe be a starter if somebody's not good to go? Who might that be? What's going to happen with Kyle Manzardo? Is he going to be the DH? Can he play first base? Is Josh Naylor going to be the first baseman? Could Josh be in the outfield? There are a lot of things going on, and we have a person who's going to join us who's going to have some of those answers. It's Mandy Bell, MLB.com. She covers the Guardians, and she's coming up next right here on Baskin and Phelps. let's go with that fresh eyes we're very happy that the lady that we go to for knowledge about the guardians is still doing the cleveland guardians covering the team like absolute crazy for mlb.com she's on the north homestead chrysler jeep dodge ram hotline she's mandy bell hi mandy how are you mandy hi guys how are you we're doing well, well. uh first and foremost how's good year
8: uh, well, it's a good year, but it's also very warm. So I'll take that. It's actually strangely warm. I know everyone always says to me, like, "Oh, enjoy the weather." Well, the first few weeks are usually really cold, like thirty degrees in the mornings. But this year, the warmth has gotten here earlier, and I'm not going to complain.
3: How warm <sighs> is warm? Good for you.
8: Uh, like right, like we're we're seeing eighty this week.
3: Ooh! Oh, you're so
1: lucky. Okay, we're staring at rain. It's going to drop into the twenties.
8: Yeah, so joke. I'm going to just start by bragging.
3: Get it out of the way early. And then that way we can yeah, forgive you fine. as the interview goes on. Uh, yeah, uh, Stephen Vogt runs a spring training in comparison to Terry Francona. How?
8: Hmm. Well, I think so far there seems to be very mm, similar approaches into relationship building. He has this very uh, self-deprecating type of humor uh, that makes him approachable, which is important in that type of role. Uh, It really lowers and maybe disarms him in a way of he is just a regular guy. And you always felt that with Tito. And that was harder for Tito because he's this legend that everyone knows that they're approaching whenever they're going up to him. And so it was really important for him to have that because it was almost overwhelming for some of these young guys to do something like that and meet a legend like that. Um, So I I think for for vote, it's just making him approachable and very likable out of the gate for these guys. And so that's important. But I think it will learn more about his actual managing style. Once games start this weekend, it's hard to know when he's just sitting here watching BP on the field uh, of knowing what he's going to be in that role. So I think we will learn more. But for now, it does seem like they have similar personalities. Uh, And I think that that, that's a good consistent thing to have. And it seems like his coaching staff keeps saying that he's an excellent communicator, which they said the same thing about Tito. So those pillars are still there.
1: What's been the biggest difference of a Steven vote training camp compared to what you've seen out of Terry Franco. And again, to this point, it's still relatively early.
8: Yeah, it's hard because it just seems like everything is still kind of the same. I think a lot of the differences are behind the scenes where we really aren't and so it's, it's hard to exactly know how he's running his team meetings and um, how he's doing things compared to Tito. And I think that's really where it all is, is a far away from where we get access to. Uh, because on the, the at least in the forefront, we're seeing kind of the same routines as what we've seen the last few years of where guys are going from field to field, doing the live BPs, it it all seems set up the same way. So I think it'll be better for us to be able to have eyes on him interacting with the players in-game, making in-game decisions, trying to figure out exactly how many innings each guy is supposed to be getting, how many at-bats. I think that maybe he's just talked so much about wanting to work with the players, his big phrase that he – motto maybe that he keeps using is – um, treat him fairly, but not equally. So, the guys who have earned it, like Jose Ramirez, is someone that he really leans heavily on whenever he's having conversations about what he's looking for, if Jose's going to hit second, if he's going to hit third, uh, what, how many at bats he needs in spring. So, there's guys that he's really leaning on to have their input and and figure out what they like about any type of routine that they could have throughout the year so it just seems like maybe there's that type of open communication a little bit more and we don't have something that's just stay stuck in the same way as what it's been for the last few years just because it's how it's been
3: mandy bell joining us from mlb.com from goodyear arizona Mandy, they've been collecting middle infielders uh, on the 40-man roster for a number of years. It would appear that one of the young guys will be the starting shortstop this year. Brian Rocchio, Gabe Arias, Tyler Freeman, Jose Who Who's standing out, and what do you think it's going to take for somebody to win that job other than Gabe Arias, who appears to be the front runner?
8: Yeah, that's the thing. Is I, 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 just It seems like it's going to be Arias' job until he loses it, but... The way that they're phrasing their wording right now is it seems like Rocchio and, and Arias are going to be the top two who are fighting for that spot. Um, Freeman is moving around, has been out in the outfield, even in center field, and he's seeing some looks out there. They're moving all these younger guys around, and so I think that, the, that really plays up the fact that Arias and Rocchio will see the bulk of the innings at shortstop to see who might be the better option. But for right now, I, I just I, I think they, they stick with what, they had been last year because Arias had such a weird year, struggling so much against lefties, um, which he hadn't in the past all throughout his minor league career. So it just seems like something that will stick with him as long as he can prove that he can earn it. But if Rocchio really stands out, I don't think votes afraid to to mix things up or try something different, and and they will go with the better person who is earning the job. So I, I think that's going to be a tight battle, but for now. My opinion is it's going to be Gabriel Arias' job until he loses
3: it. Mandy, let me throw something at you that's a little off the wall on this one. Uh, Bill Schmidt, the Rockies general manager, talked to your co-worker and our buddy Anthony Kastrovitz, uh, and I was watching that on the MLB Network earlier in the week. And Anthony asked him about Nolan Jones, and Bill said, yeah, blah, 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 we like him, and, and said some great things. And he said, but we also gave up a really good player to get him in Juan Brito who Cleveland fans are going to see, I'll bet, this year. If Juan Brito has a better spring than (laughs) Rocchio or Arias or Freeman or Tanya, is there any possibility? And I would think no, but that he would be the starting second baseman and Jimenez would make that move to shortstop.
8: I agree with you. I'm going to go. I'm going to say no as well. I just okay. think it's something that that's a person that they will wait a little bit longer for that seems like it's forcing it a little bit, um, especially when you have so many of these other guys that are in the mix right now. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point this year you do see that type of a move. But for now, I don't think that's something that they would go with out of the gate.
1: All right, Mandy, my favorite baseball trope this time of year is when people come into camp in the best shape of their lives. It's the, <laughs> it will make me laugh until the end. <laughs> Who's shown up this year in the best shape of their life?
8: Honestly, I think that the, the number one person that has been answered for that is Miles Straw. And, and, and it seems like, like Valeca was talking to us about it. And uh, I think Lode has talked about it a little bit. We haven't really seen Straw too, too much to be able to even get him to comment on it, but. It seems like he's put on a lot of muscle over this off season. He hired a, a trainer to be able to do that. He's trying. Obviously, he knows exactly what his numbers look like over the last two years, and so he's trying to do everything that he can to make sure that that doesn't repeat for a third straight season. And so he even went to Columbus at points during the off season to go work with Vuleka one on one because well, that's where Vuleka spends his off seasons. And uh, he put in the extra work, and it seems like he, at least Vileka, was commenting that he seems more confident this year just because of that body composition that he has now, more muscle mass. So they're hoping that that's something that just even with the confidence that it helps boost him even more at the plate.
3: Mandy, would they like to see someone beat him out for that job?
8: I don't know if they want to see that. Um, I think they, I think the organization would want to see him prove that he is worth the money that they they spent on him and that he can be the player that they saw for the second half of the season after they got him at the trade deadline in 2021. So I I think that's what they want is to see the improvements that they think that he can make each offseason. But if it's not the case, I think this is the year that they're more open-minded of trying to find a different solution because they know they can't do it a third straight time. And so if he doesn't win that, there's other guys here. There's my gosh, I don't know how suddenly blinked. And now they have an overcrowded outfield too. So they have Florial that they just added into the mix. They have, I mean, vote said that Quan's going to be staying in left field. They're not even really considering him in center just yet. So maybe that becomes a, a something that they think about more, but uh, they have a bunch of guys. They have Floriano. You have so many different outfielders, and that's not even getting to like the George Valeras or, the Jonathan Rodriguez is of the world. There's there's a lot of options that are starting to throw t- Tyler Freeman out there. So th- they're thinking of backup plans, and they're trying to make sure that they have all those options should Straw not uh, earn that job. But I think the hope is that he can prove that he deserves it.
1: So the pitching equivalent of showing up in the best shape of your life, Mandy, is going to driveline. That's become the new one <laughs> that everybody's doing. <laughs>
2: so yes.
1: Shane Bieber in the offseason decided to pop into driveline and work on getting some of his velocity back. Does does he look any different from what you've seen in bullpens or talked to or anything like that? Is, has it helped? And should fans be encouraged by what they've seen and read?
8: I think fans should be encouraged and up to the point that they're proven otherwise, maybe. Um, for now, it's a great little setup because everything is just bullpens. You don't really see too many results, and so you can just work on your stuff and keep getting better. He had a live BP the other day. Uh, and he looked really really good in that it it seemed like hitters were really struggling with his stuff but uh, I think it will show more when he gets into game action and starts working on all of those tweaks that he made actually against competitors and in a more competitive environment so I think that will help for all of us to get a better idea of where he stands but I do think it's optimistic and I think that if he has been able to see those results of seeing a little bit of an uptick in velocity and get that shape of the curveball back to where it was in 2020 when it was just absolutely unhittable, uh, I think that that would be huge for this rotation that has a chance of being like really sneaky good and really impressive. And I know it's not really on many people's radars, but if everyone stays healthy and if Bieber can be Bieber that we've seen from a few years ago, this could be, definitely the brightest spot on the roster
3: Mandy Bell joining us MLB.com does a phenomenal job of covering the Cleveland Guardians you should read her if you're not already what would surprise you the most that Shane Bieber signs a contract with the Indians Guardians excuse me to stay put that he spends the season with the Guardians and then leaves or that he's traded during the season what would be the biggest surprise
8: Uh, the biggest surprise I think you put it in order of what would be the biggest surprise Uh, the biggest surprise for sure would be signing a contract. I think that that just seems like if that was going to happen, it would be something that had already happened. And so at this point, I think I would be most surprised by anything beyond 2024. I think I would, at this point, still, assuming he stays healthy, this is all assuming he stays healthy and has a decent first half of the season, I would even be more surprised if he just hangs on to him all season long. Um, a lot of that is going to determine, be determined by their team results. If they're in this division and they're sitting comfortably in first place or even close to it, uh, yeah, you might just hang on to them and let them walk into free agency. You worry about the qualifying offer at the end of the year and do all that type of stuff and try to get a draft pick for it, all that. But if they're not in contention, I would be very surprised if they don't try to just capitalize on him at the trade deadline and get something just because this organization never really – has guys walk into free agencies, especially starting pitchers and especially young guys that are of his caliber. So, um, but I think number one on the list to answer your question is if he would sign something for anything beyond 2024 in
3: Cleveland. Mandy, last thought, Kyle Manzardo. Does he fit into what Chris Antonetti said, where we want to get our young guys at bats? Could he be at first base? Could he be at DH? Could he be at a combination while Josh Naylor maybe plays outfield? I I would love to see the guy get some at-bats and plenty of them and really soon. Is that a possibility?
8: It's a possibility, and I think that his play and his work this spring will determine how much they're really weighing this for the opening day roster. I think the biggest thing is if Davidson De Los Santos wasn't here, their Rule 5 pick, if he wasn't here, I would put Manzardo almost as a lock for the opening day roster. I know service time is a thing and I understand that that would be something that you would have to consider, but still, it's just, that's the bat that they've been looking for. That was the trade that they made at last uh, last year's deadline that caused a lot of uproar with fans because Aaron Savali was so hot at that time and, it, and they were still in the division race. I think this is a chance to prove just how good of a trade that could be if he is that middle of the bat order they've been looking for. Uh, and so, I don't know. It's just there's a chance, sure, that he could do all of that. But with De Los Santos here, they have to determine first with him if they're going to roll the dice on him and if they're going to try to keep him on this active roster all season long so they don't have to offer him back to Arizona. Um, he's 20 years old. He's never played above AA. It's tough. I don't know how you'll find him very much time because developing at the major league level is really, really challenging. Um, And then whenever he's not playing, he's not developing. So it's going to be a difficult decision if they want to carry him, but they really, really like him for the future. And if he's there, how do you have Josh Naylor, Kylo Manzardo, and De Los Santos, all these guys that are first basemen on this roster? There's a headache there. So I think if you keep an eye on De Los Santos and Manzardo this spring, that'll just be sort of another position battle that we'll have to keep an eye on.
3: Mandy, great to have you with us. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk.
8: Yep, thanks for having me, guys.
3: Mandy Bell, MLB.com, covering the Guardians. She was on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. She talked about shortstop. She said Gabe Arias... Arias, the guy who probably is going to get that job unless something happens. Who should get that job? And I think it's something that we don't see enough of in spring training. I'll tell you what that is next. That was Mandy Bell from MLB.com just a few moments ago right here on Baskin and Phelps when we talked to her about the shortstop competition that's going on with the Guardians. I'm Jeff Phelps, Dan Menigan in for Baskin today. The key thing about what's going on at shortstop to me, Dan, it actually feels like it's a competition and it feels like it's a position battle. And we haven't had a ton of those on this team in recent years, it seems anyway. At least that's the way it feels to me. And though Gabe Arias might be the leading contender for that gig, as Mandy pointed out, and he you know he played there last year, and they might want to really get a get a really good look at him. Rokio's right there, and it's a competition. Mandy said something else that I thought was really interesting when I asked her about Juan Brito, and he's the second baseman that they picked up. Second baseman, he plays some third as well. Uh, he's the second baseman they picked up when they sent Nolan Jones to Colorado for some unknown reason, unless that reason is Juan Brito. And if you give up a guy in Nolan Jones who ended up having a really good year and the Rockies are giddy to have, you must have done it because you thought you are getting a good guy back. She said she didn't see a possibility early where Brito would be so good in spring training he'd win the second base gig and they'd move Jimenez to shortstop. But she said during the season that's something she thinks you could see. That, to me, screams, Gabe, go win the shortstop job. You didn't do it, Brian. Go win the shortstop job. You didn't win it. Juan, go play second base.
1: It feels like the, what was that? Was that two years ago? Where they kind of did the, okay, you Chang, here's your 100 Mm at-bats. All right, you're out. Bobby Bradley, here's your 100 at-bats. Okay, you can't do it either. You're out. Bradley Zimmer was
3: in there for a little while.
1: Exactly. Where they just kind of went through and were like, all right, we need to get official words on this and figure out who can sink and who can swim. Here's your pink slip. Exactly. And so I want them to hand the keys to Brian Rocchio and just go, Bud, it's yours. I want him he do, looks like the real deal. To I start. want to give him 500 at-bats. And again, I am not the one you should talk to when it comes to prospects. You are far more knowledgeable than I am. Nick Wilson is awesome at that stuff as well. I don't have the mental capacity to keep all of it together. <laughs> I just don't. I, I, it just, I, I go to for prospect information and it just reads tilt. So I go to them. Keith Law came on with us and I think this was a couple months ago, and was just like Brian Rocchio is the guy that you hand the keys to the car to and say, all right, shortstop is yours, and you don't think about that position for seven years because you're going to have a guy there who See, is a top-tier
3: absolute monster. Mm-hmm. That, and, and that's nothing against Gabe Arias. Short sample size, last year um, you know, Ahmed Rosario was there, and then they, they moved Ahmed, and he's now with Tampa. Good luck to him. Uh, did a nice job here, I thought. Arias hit 210 last year, and in last year and the year before, some at bats. He wasn't very good the year before. Career 207 hitter, and though he has 10 home runs, it's 26 runs batted in. So other than driving in a run with a with a home run, he's not doing a whole lot. And in 315 at bats, he has 113 strikeouts. I and mean, that goes against everything they scream, doesn't it? But they love his arm, and they they say he's a great great defender.
1: Crushes the baseball. The only thing crushes it
3: when he hits it, and he hasn't hit it a ton. And he throws. He's got a great arm.
1: The scary thing with him Screams was outfield to me. I don't was know. last season against lefties, he it was he was not good. Well, that's actually being kind. Um, he was sub guardians outfielder bad. Like <laughs> he was borderline guardians catcher bad. That's.
3: Boy, that's that's really funny. It's bad.
1: <laughs> that's bad. I mean, well put by you. You he he had he struck out fifty four times. He had, by the way, he had one hundred and nineteen plate appearances. He got nine hits in those one hundred and nineteen plate appearances against lefties uh, for a whopping what is that buck 087? eighty seven oh uh, eighty three. Good math by you. Thanks. Nice. Uh, one double. He hit two home runs off of it and struck out fifty four times. Yeah, one hundred and nineteen apiece. Yeah, yeah. I mean. For some reason, you're
3: supposed to, as a right-handed hitter, supposed to be able to hit left-handers. Crush left-handers. Because the ball breaks in on you.
1: And you should see it better. And the problem that I, I have with it is, okay, you can hit the ball really hard when you finally make contact with it. You can't be this much of a platoon player and manage to platoon shortstop. It's not the way to go, especially when Brian Rocchio is right behind you, where Keith Law from the Athletic worked. He was in the scouting department, worked for MLB. Uh, I think he worked for the Blue Jays for a little bit for the scouting department, now writes for The Athletic. A prospect expert joined us a couple months ago, had this to say on Brian
3: Rocchio. We also had Chris Rose tell us earlier in the week that he had Miguel Rojas on his show, and he said, there's your, there's your and Miguel, major league infielder, played with Rocchio over the winter. There's your shortstop. He's mm-hmm. your guy. Rocchio's a switch hitter. Limited exposure last year. Only eighty six at bats, but he hit two forty seven in his first exposure to major league pitching as a twenty two year old.
1: Super young, I just I super wanna, I want to see
3: him. I, I really do. Now, what happens with Brito? I, I just think that it. I think RAS is probably gonna. I, I think your scenario is really good. Here is your hundred at bats. What can you do? Mm-hmm. And if you are not good, sorry, you're. We're gonna either send you down to A or we're going to trade you. You're going
1: to be a part of a gig
3: that brings in an out
1: or a trade that gets an outfielder. Yeah. You know, you're going to be a part of a trade that they have. And and Mandy did an awesome job laying it out. It's a serious shortstop log jam. And we've talked about it
3: for three years. Well, so much to Tyler Freeman, who I think did a really nice job in limited play last year as being groomed to be the all around utility guy.
1: You've got Tyler Freeman, you've got Brian Rocchio, you've got Gabriel Arias, you've got... Um, Jose Tinha. Jose Tinha, who also, um, who's hitting well and sounds like he's going to be something. Juan Brito is another guy who came over in the Rockies trade has hit everywhere that he's gone.
3: But probably looking at second base. Possibly
1: looking at second base which through Which means there.
3: Jimenez, gold glove second baseman, moves to his natural position at shortstop. So
1: that's, where,
3: f- that's five. Yeah. That's five options off the top of our heads that sit there at shortstop. They have a
1: serious lack of talent when it comes to the outfield. It's a lot of hope and pray going on with Esteban Florial. Hopefully he pops and turns into the guy that the Yankees thought they drafted. It was such a highly coveted prospect. Cross your fingers. I mean, that's all you can do when it comes to that. The Yanks gave up for him on a reason. Now, is it because they've got too many outfielders to play this kid? Hopefully that's the case, but he's also ran into some hiccups as well. You've got this log jam at some point. This needs to turn into tangible, assets, not just somebody who could play shortstop for you, but then use some of that and turn it into a tangible asset that can help to build your outfield.
3: If you don't have outfielders in the system who are going to make that move and right now they don't seem committed to giving Rodriguez or Noel or Valera the opportunity, maybe they're not ready for it. It that's, That's quite possible. It
1: seems like the George Valera balloon has a little bit of air has come yeah, out of he's that He's been one. injured,
3: been dinged up a little bit. It, getting
1: into fights, not hitting the
3: way that he should. Like, right. it,
1: it's... Some of the air has come out of the George Valera balloon that everybody was pointing to and saying that was the guy. So, it, it seems like they're hoping and praying out in the outfield. And it's a whole lot of dice rolls, and I
3: don't... How can you, how can you not find an outfielder? I don't know, Jeff. You know, maybe Floreal is the guy. I, I hope so, Yeah, I do too. I... And it's interesting that Miles Mandy said Miles Straw added muscle. You don't need Miles Straw to hit twenty homers, but boy, if he could hit fifteen, that'd be phenomenal. I
1: want Miles Straw to go back to having a 350 on base. If he can give me a 333, 350 on base, I'm thrilled. If it's an OPS sitting around seven fifty and he plays gold glove shortstop, oh, baby, that's all you can ask for in Ensa. I mean, that's that's all you want out of a center fielder. Is okay, patrol it play gold glove center field for me, get on base a third of the time that you're at the dish and hit the ball with some level of, of power to it. Yeah, And then you're already fast enough to do it. I mean, if he could get to a, gosh, I'm talking a 750 OPS. So that's they, pretty much league average is what we're asking for, which is on base plus slugging for mm-hmm. those of you who are out there. Um, I'd be thrilled. You'd be over the moon. You'd take that in a second. That would put him as one of a top twenty center fielder in baseball, basically top twenty-five.
3: You know the the thing of it here too, Dan, is that you have you appear to have too many of these guys. You know, and and as you said, sort through them, put, them, put somebody in a trade because Rocchio would appear to be ready for the chance to play in the majors. Arias was in the majors more than Rokio last year. It's time to show it or move on. Mm-hmm. Tyler Freeman looks like a guy who will stick, and could he be your shortstop well maybe and and Tana he was up last year, so there are four guys, and then Brito's on the way so what are you what are you gonna do i I would think that you're not going to spend even half the season before you move one of these guys out of the organization
1: You need to you have too many. You don't have enough places in your minor league and major league system to play all these guys. You have too many, which means you need to make a trade to someone who has too few. It's
3: it, That's where we are, and we've been saying it for three years. Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Absolutely. How about Manzardo? Does he get at bats? Man, I sure hope so. But you got a Rule 5 guy that you're going to have to Anyhow, Mandy was phenomenal. It was great to have her with us. And... Man, I can't wait to keep talking Guardians. We're going to have some fun. It's Baskin and Phelps here on The Fan.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.